So I have a little boy around here. He's not so little anymore. My 12-year-old son, Caleb, uh, who just loves hopping up on stage. But I never bring this one up here on stage with me. This is, uh, this is my daughter, Claire. Claire. 14, uh, getting ready to be in ninth grade next year. She didn't know I was even going to tell a story about her tonight until just a few minutes ago. I said, I'm going to tell a story about you tonight, Claire. So I'm going to tell a story about, you remember when we went and got this when we were at the coin shop together? So I'm going to, I'm going to tell a story. Can I tell it? Yeah. Okay. You want to sit back there, mom? Tell mom? Put your hands together for this beautiful girl. Mm, come on. I love her. Claire has this love for coins. And so tonight, I want to just tell you a story about a coin. I want to tell you a story about an apostle. And I want to tell you a story about all of us. And I'm going to try and be really brief uh, because we do have so many th other things going on, so many baptisms. I want to leave plenty of time for that. But I do want to just try and go through three quick stories. First, the story about a coin. Like I said, my daughter loves coins. She just she gets it from her grandfather. My wife, Shelby's around here someplace. She never shows up around here. There you are. Yeah, she hates being singled out. She just ducked. And our dog paws. Um, but, uh, but, you know, she gets it from my, my uh, father-in-law, JL, who loves coins. And so Claire loves to go to coin shops and, and to look for coins. And if any of you all notice this, there's a coin shop right beside uh, the Euclid Kroger. It's kind of catty corner. It's in a house. Looks like a house. There's a coin shop there. And one day, Claire and I were there, and we were looking for coins, and, and she was looking through some stuff. And we found uh, this, this rather unique coin. And this coin that I've got in my hand here, in fact, you kind of can see a picture of, up on the screen, uh, this coin had made its way down through all kinds of ebbs and flows of history. I mean, it had been who knows where, buried maybe, uh, thrown away, uh, you know, stepped on. Who knows how it actually came into Lexington, Kentucky, into your old coin. And really, if this coin could uh, tell its stories of its adventures, of all the pockets and all the, the places it had seen to get to this point, it would really tell an amazing, amazing story. You see this coin, and as you can see, these pictures, and if you can, if you could read a little Latin, you can see Augustus there. Can you see Augustus there on the side? So this coin, like like we do, you know, we've got George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, different political leaders on our money. The Romans did this as well, and you know, Augustus there, uh, it was he was born Octavian, and he was adopted as the adopted son of Julius Caesar. And he became, you know, Octavian became Emperor Augustus, who is the only Roman emperor mentioned in the Bible. Remember that, that passage in, at the beginning of Luke and that, that famous Christmas story? You know, a, a decree went out into all the lands that, that a, a census should be taken by, you know, that since Caesar Augustus sent out this decree that a census should be taken. So Augustus is the one Roman emperor that shows up in the Bible. And I thought, well, that's, that's kind of cool to get a, to get a coin of, of, you know, that was, has, has his picture on it here. And we're, we're actually going to frame this and we're going to put it up in Lewis' house, a little, de little description of it, and we actually start framing and hanging some things on the walls. But, but what really caught my eye when I, when I saw this coin was what was actually on the other side of the coin. Because on the other side of the coin was the Roman emperor Nero. Nero was, you know, kind of a little bit past Augustus. Uh, Augustus was there when Jesus was born, but kind of fast forward a little bit, and Nero was emperor from 54 to 60, uh, 15 years. So, so to put it in kind of history, to kind of do the math for you, he, he's emperor about 20 to 30 years after Jesus was crucified. So he wasn't emperor when Jesus was crucified. That was Tiberius. But 20 to 30 years after Jesus was crucified, around, you know, from 54 AD to 68 AD, 
uh, Nero is emperor. So again, on this coin, one side you got Caesar Augustus, as mentioned in the Bible, uh, and then on the other side you got Nero. An amazing, amazing feat that this little tiny coin, all the way through history, 2,000 years, would find its way here. That's the story of this coin for now. The story of an apostle. Lindsay just read out of Romans 5. And out of Romans 5, those first five verses that she just read, we just heard this huge chunk of the Apostle Paul's story. Paul was this famous early follower of Jesus. Uh, ironically, that, that book we read from, the, the passage that we read from, was from the book of Romans. Paul was writing to the Christians in Rome. And what's also interesting, you know, if you remember those dates, I said that, that Nero was emperor from 54 to 68, Paul wrote Romans, most scholars think, sometime around the year AD 57. And so literally, who knows, maybe even the same year that this, this little coin was being stamped, this little coin was being made, Paul was writing this letter to Christians in Rome to try to encourage them, to try to give them strength in these tough times. Because you see, Paul, his story, the story of the apostle, was he was someone who had grown up dignified. He had tried to, tried to do all the right things. He had tried to have this great public image. He followed every rule in his life. He impressed everyone with his intellect. He was an impressive guy. But something happened to Paul. Somehow Paul became to realize that all that self-hype and self-reliance, it was just a sham. All his kind of goody-two-shoes ways weren't all that impressive to a perfect God who had made the universe. Paul came to realize that all of his frenetic work of doing the right thing, of trying to please everyone, of having this perfect public image was just work, work, and more. In fact, all it did was just provide exhaustion and uneasiness until finally one day Paul acknowledged, you know what, I can't do this on my own. I can't please God by, by how good my life is. And he tried as hard, maybe as hard as any human had ever tried to please God through just what he could do on his own. Listen to his story again of what, from what Lindsay just read, again from Romans 5. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into the place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. You see, Paul was trying to earn his way into God's good graces, into God's kind of privileged status. But what Paul here is writing, AD 57, to this church in Rome, is he says, you've come now through Jesus. And Paul's saying, I've come now through Jesus into this place of undeserved privilege. And even that language that he's hinting at there, undeserved privilege. The, the Greek word there actually probably in a, in a real tight way could be just translated as access. You've been given access to God, not because of anything you've done, but because of who Jesus is, what he's done, what he's inviting you into. And that access language really is the language of, you know, there, there's, a, there's a kingly element to it. Of you, you and I can't just go. I mean, I can't just show up at the White House and say, hey, I, I want to meet with you know, President Biden today. I, I, can't, I, I can't just walk in there and say, hey, you know, tell, tell him Brian's here. I, I want to have a meeting. President of the United States or whatever political leader or whatever celebrity or whoever it is that you want to get in front of, 
It does seem kind of crazy to think that we could, by our own merit, our own kind of good works, our own, hey, God, look at me type stuff, that we could demand that of God. And yet Paul is saying, this is what you have in Jesus. You have access of the most intimate kind at any time you want to stand in front of Jesus. Paul had tried for years the route of self-reliance, the route of doing it his way. And yet, ultimately, what he came to see is my way is the wrong way. The Jesus way, the Jesus doorway, the Jesus access point, that's what I need. If you want peace in your life, let me, let me just tell you, if you want peace in your life, peace is not something that you get through fighting. Peace is not something you get through accomplishment. The only accomplishment that will grant you peace is the act of surrender is when you surrender and you stop fighting and you stop telling God, God, I'm going to do life on my own terms. God, I'm going to try and impress you with the way I live and how, how I do things. Because listen, we're all as lost. I was as lost as a ball in high weeds. If you've ever played golf with me, that, that story makes a lot of sense because that's where I'm at. My balls are all over the place and usually in the weeds. I go through about, about a dozen rounds and round of golf. That's, that's what I'm doing. I mean, I was one of those, I was so lost. I would have never, no one would have ever found me. And yet God said, that's all you need to do, Brian, is admit how lost you are. Admit you can't do it on your own. Remember this coin. Paul says this in verse 3. We, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loved us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You're going to need endurance this summer. You're probably going to need some endurance over the next week because I'm guessing, show of hands, anyone put off any studying this semester? Yeah. Amen. Uh, you're going to need some endurance over this next week. This is summer because the reality is, is... Is anyone kind of halfway dreading going back and maybe, especially if you're a freshman, going back home, living with your parents again after being independent this, yes, I see some hands, yes, we'll pray for you. Um, that's probably going to have some moments of endurance. Or maybe this summer you're going to face the breakup of a relationship. You're thinking, hey, we're going to last this summer. Some of you will, great. Some of you won't. Let's just, let's just be real. Some of you, some of you are going back home to maybe some friends that you hope are still friends the way they were in high school. But you're going to go back and realize they've changed. Or maybe you're going to realize that you've changed. Or maybe there's going to be a health issue that comes up for you this summer that you have no idea about now. Or maybe it's going to be a health issue for someone that you love. Maybe it's going to be your grades turning out. I don't know what it is that you are going to face this summer, but you are going to face some things that are going to need endurance. And I, this is what I love about the Bible. I love that, you know, people think about that, well, the Bible's nice. It's for people, you know, church mice, and it's all, it's all about, you know, goody two-shoes kind of stuff. And yeah, the Bible recognizes that life is hard. There are difficulties that we face. It meets, one of the reasons I believe in the scriptures is because when I read it, I, I see that it fits our world in such a unique way and it fits the needs we have in a world like ours. 
You're going to have to endure some things this summer. My daughter Claire, who was just up here, one of the things that's been really, really difficult for me, and I, you know, I can almost feel my, my emotions rising even as I begin to talk about it and can feel that, that just kind of that lump literally come up my throat. And I'm like, okay, don't cry, don't cry. But, but it has been really tough for me as a dad to watch this past school year as she's had to endure some really tough things at school where, I mean, my daughter, and, and I know I'm her dad, and I know I see through those dad-colored glasses, but she is an absolute precious girl that I am so undeserving of as a dad. But she, she really is this gentle, loving person. All the teachers, administrators at her school are like, Claire is absolutely amazing. And yet she's had to endure some real hardship with girls at school who have been just deeply, deeply cruel to her, going out of their way to exclude her, when she was sitting in a row just recently at a school function, they were having a talent show at their school, and there were her and a couple of other girls who sat there, and this, this whole other group of girls, basically the, the entire, because uh, she goes to a small school, the entire eighth grade group of girls walked up, and kind of one girl said, hey, uh, can you, Claire, can you move to another row so the rest of us can fit in here? And, and she was like, well, you know, we can scoot down and we can make it work and, and fit everyone in. And, and the girl who was talking, you know, beckoned some of the other girls and said, let's go. And they got up and they moved to another row and sat there without her. And as a dad, it's so stinking hard to watch her go through that. But man, oh man, one of the things, and Shelby and I have talked about it numerous times, is I have been absolutely amazed at how tough she is. And not just tough, but gracious. The school administrator told us recently, and we were talking, just saying, hey, how do, we, how do we deal with this? How do we help Claire? And she said, you know, I, I noticed some of the things. I could see what was going on, and I know how sweet that girl is. And she said, I, I brought Claire aside, and I talked to her, and I said, you know, Claire, um, who is doing this? Because she said, I had my hunches of who kind of the ringleaders were, but she said, Claire, can you tell me who's, who's kind of stirring this up and who's doing it? And she said, Claire wouldn't tell her who it was because she said, I don't want to start rumors about people. Yeah. And, I, and I asked her, and I told her later when I talked to her, because I mean, I was like, Claire, were you scared to tell the, the administrator at the school the, the names of the girls because you were scared that it would get worse? And she's like, no, Dad, I wasn't scared about that. I just honestly didn't want to, didn't want to taint their reputations with the, with the teachers at the school. And I just thought, oh, beautiful, beautiful thing to say about your heart. But I recognize, I recognize about my daughter, and I pray, not that I would ever, ever want this for her, but I recognize that this type of grit, this type of toughness, this type of endurance, this type of her relying on God when, you know, girls around her are kind of abandoning her and treating her like this, is that this is producing in her a certain kind of character. And that's what we've talked about. Claire, this is hard. I get it. I don't want to make light of it in, in any way, shape, or form, honey. But you will face tough things later on in life. And you, this, if this is helping you, that God is not causing this, God is not happy with this, but if this causes you to, to reach out to God in a unique way and depend on him in a unique way, then honey, this will produce in you something that God will be able to use. Again, God's not causing it, but God is in it with you and will use it for his good and your good later on. You know, God wants us when we endure, and you all will endure tough things. He wants us to recognize that we live in a wider moment than just now. 
God wants us to have hope, and he gives us hope in Jesus. He gives us the ultimate hope of the resurrection, that at the end of of all things, that death and evil will be defeated, and that life and love will triumph in and through Jesus. And we have this hope because we live in this weird tension of we, we realize that these things are real. That, that the hope that God gives us is real. We can experience that hope and that burning of like, yes, things are tough, but I have hope. And we can experience that now. And yet we live with that not yet. That there are some not yet. And that, that yes, is Jesus someday going to put all this to rights? Yes, he is. But sometimes it's not quite yet. And you may endure some of that this summer. You may endure some times where you go, God, I, the moment I'm in right now is tough. The moment I'm in right now, it's tough. It's difficult. I'm facing you know, temptations. I'm facing struggles. I'm facing you know, hardships, uh, abandonment, whatever it is. God, will you give me endurance to endure beyond this, this temporal moment? And let me live in light of eternity. Let me live in a wider moment than just right now. One of the things that, that I did when I was dating, and, and you know, Shelby, Shelby knows this about me, was I, I put a little, uh, I put a Bible verse in, uh, so that we, this is CSF, so we can just share, right? We can be open here. I put a Bible verse in my underwear drawer uh, when, I, when I was single and dating and, and this sort of thing, because I didn't get married until I was about 32. Speaking of like trials and temptations and endurance, uh, you know, there, there was a lot there. And, and so... Um, <laughs> Not to say I handled it all perfectly, but I, I, did, I did try to follow Jesus uh, in all this. And I put a Bible verse in my underwear drawer, and I'd heard, a, I'd heard this lady, this Christian speaker, say she did this. And I thought, man, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. And she said, you know, her reasoning was, and I thought this made sense. Like, okay, if I'm going out on a date, probably a decent chance I would take a shower and put on some clean underwear. And so that way, each time I'd go on a date, I'd be looking at this Bible verse right before I go on a date. And, and I put this Bible verse in there, and it was, I still remember Genesis 29, 20. And it's this Bible verse of, it says, uh, um, and, and Jacob, worked for, Jacob worked for Rachel for seven years, but because of his great love for her, it seemed like only a few days. And, and <laughs> yeah, Shelby's a lucky woman. Uh, no. But... <laughs> But I put that in there because I recognize that, like, okay, you know, I don't know when I'm going to get married. I don't know. I don't know. Is this girl I'm going on a date with tonight, is she going to be the one, you know, so to speak? Am I, are we eventually going to marry? I don't know. But I wanted to live in a wider moment than just tonight and now. I wanted to live in this sense of, like, God, will you give me the, the, the strength? Will you give me the strength? Because there are moments where I tried to live out of my own strength and things did not go so well. But in those, those moments and seasons where I was like, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to depend on you, that God did give me the strength to endure. And he did give me the, the chance to say, okay, whatever I'm facing this moment, God, I'm going to live in a wider spectrum than just the struggle I'm facing right now. I want to live in this wider eternity kind of perspective. And this is what Paul is saying to us, to live with hope, a hope that endures, a hope that's tough. That, that, you know, your life doesn't have to get toppled over by the, by the slightest wind. That God can provide this huge anchor. And here's the key. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about your strength. Did you notice how Paul closes that little section in, in, in Romans 5, in verse 5? He says he gives us the Holy Spirit in our hearts. The Holy Spirit living in us. The same God who made, you know, 
oceans, who made galaxies, who made the entire universe simply by speaking it into existence. He has that kind of awesome, amazing power. That kind of God lives in you. When you have the Holy Spirit, you have access. God has given us this, this undeserved privilege of having his kind of power in our lives so that we can endure when we face temptation, when we face struggles. And one thing you need to know about Paul, one thing you need to know about this coin. You see, Nero, Augustus on one side, Caesar Augustus, Nero on the other, around AD 64, a few years into his reign, a few years before his, his death in AD 68, AD 64, a fire starts in Rome. No one was quite sure what caused the fire. A lot of historians, a lot of people, even in the current time living there, blamed it on Nero. They said Nero started the fire, and a large swath of the city of Rome was burned. And people were really upset about this. People were angry. Like, hey, this guy is destroying our city. Nero, what the heck? Man, do we need to get rid of him? We need to send somebody in to, to maybe kill him and get a, get a new emperor in. AD 64, city of Rome, go, a lot of the city of Rome goes up in flames. When Nero hears this, and he feels the pressure and going, man, people are good, I, I don't want to get assassinated, whatever. And so what he does is he actually goes out and he starts a rumor. He starts a rumor that the Christians, this new little maverick group, this new little religious uh, you know, kind of cult as they were viewed as, uh, this, this new group of Christians uh, were in, in Rome and they were starting to make some noise and people were starting to follow Jesus in Rome. And so what, what Nero did is he started this rumor, he said, I didn't start the fire. It was the Christians. They don't like all the Roman gods that we worship. They don't, they don't believe the same things we do, and so they tried to destroy our city. And he started this rumor that, that, that you know, set the whole city in an uproar against the Christians, and this huge persecution broke out. And though it's not recorded directly in the Bible itself, because the, the book of Acts, you know, kind of the early church's testimony, Paul's, Paul's actually uh, in, at the end of the book of Acts, Acts 28, Paul is in Rome. He's under house arrest there. Uh, we don't know directly from the Bible what happens to Paul, but we do know from, from other historical sources. And the, the earliest stories of the church is that in all probability, both Peter and Paul were killed by Nero. That guy on this coin the guy who said, the Christians did it, don't blame me. He took Christians and he wrapped them in animal skins, soaked them in some, some kind of oily substance, put them up on a pole, and then light them on fire to, to serve as, as torches at night. And Paul and Peter, in that persecution, they faced down death. And they gave their lives. And so when Paul says... When Paul says, you know what, guys, have endurance. Have a hope that, that is able to endure even the toughest of times. Paul wasn't just blowing ideological gas, and he wasn't just, hey, you know, Jesus will be with you. It's all nice. It's all swell. You know, be happy. Go live a happy life. He was saying, even in the hardest times, God will give you the grace to endure. And Paul endured. Paul endured to the very end. Peter endured to the very end. All of Jesus' disciples, we have no known record. There is no known historical record of any of the original disciples that followed Jesus of turning their backs, aside from Judas Iscariot, obviously. But there's no record 
There's no record of anyone turning their back. The Holy Spirit gave them the power to endure. And so CSF, know this. Know that as you go out this summer, that same God who empowered Paul to withstand the persecution of Nero, that same God who's been empowering Christians throughout the centuries to endure, to overcome temptations, trials, struggles, that same God is going with you to Shelbyville, Kentucky this summer. That same God is going to Louisville, Kentucky this summer. That same God is going to Pineco Camp with you this summer. That same God is going to stay here in Lexington while you're taking summer classes this summer, as exciting as that is. That same God is going with you, and he will empower you to endure. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not. It's not your, your strength. It's his strength living in you and working through you. And may you endure in that hope this summer and in all the days to come. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we do not know what's coming. We don't know what's coming tomorrow, much less in the, the weeks and months ahead. But Lord, what you promise us, what we can know, is that you will go with us through whatever comes our way. And so Jesus, I pray as these students here finish the race of this semester over these coming days, you help them endure in this next, uh, this next week of finals. But be this summer, certainly for our seniors and those not, not coming back here, help them endure through life. And not just a, a heavy-hearted endurance, but a joyous endurance. A joyous endurance that sees you walking with them, empowering them. Not just helping them to, to barely make it through, but to overcome fully and joyously. And so, Lord, I pray for that kind of endurance, that Holy Spirit-fueled endurance and strength for them. And I pray it in your good and strong name. Amen.